For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Danny Kelly, along with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. It is Monday, September 11th. Like everything else in Hollywood, the world of talent representation is in a moment of transformation. One of the big four agencies, CAA, home of everyone from Meryl Streep to Jenna Ortega to Ryan Murphy, bought another agency last year, ICM Partners, which had Shonda Rhimes, Chris Rock, Bill Lawrence, Ted Lasso producer. UTA, which has stars like Chris Pratt and Mike Schur, the producer. They're now the third largest, and they got a big private equity investment last year. And Aria Manuel's agency, William Morris Endeavor, is now a unit within Endeavor, which is publicly traded. It's worth about 10 or $11 billion. It owns UFC, professional bull riders. They're in the process of closing the purchase of WWE from Vince McMahon. They're going to spin off UFC and WWE into a new company called TKO. I know lots of acronyms here, but the point is that the business of booking jobs and taking 10% has been pretty great during the era of peak TV streaming wars. They've also diversified these companies a lot since they were just guys hustling to get their clients' jobs. But that may be ending, or at least changing. The studios and streamers were already starting to pull back before the strike. And Ari said this summer that the strikes are costing his company about $25 million a month. Not great. The agencies have done layoffs and furloughs. And this is all coming as the lucrative TV packaging fees, where the agencies would take a percentage of a TV show's license fee instead of a commission from clients. They were banned by the Writers Guild after a long legal battle a few years ago. Amid this backdrop, CAA's majority owner, the private equity fund TPG, sold its 53% stake to Francois-Henri Pinot, the French billionaire and the head of the fashion and luxury company Caring, who's married to Salma Hayek, the actress, and a CAA client. And in that deal, the valuation of CAA was more than $7 billion, pretty high. It was just $1.1 billion about nine years ago when TPG became the majority owner. So a great outcome there. And it's a good time for us to check in on the agent and manager world. A bunch of disclosures for this episode for me. My wife's a talent manager. She probably has some clients with CAA. <laughs> I don't actually know. WME represents Puck, but not me personally. And TPG, which just sold CAA, is an investor in Puck. All right, with that out of the way, we've got Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg in here, and today it's the CAA sale and why you should care about the talent agencies. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. Welcome back, Lucas. Great to be here. We're talking today about the agencies. TPG, which own the majority stake in 
CAA, had a 53% stake. It sold that interest to Francois Pinot. And he is interested in this agency because he has a fashion house, Caring, that has a bunch of different brands that you know. And celebrity and talent has increasingly merged with the fashion world over the past decade or two. And I think this is seen as an additive trophy buy slash synergistic buy by the fashion world. Do you agree there? Yeah, I mean, look, this guy, his family is worth tens of billions of dollars. They're one of the premier kind of luxury goods owners in the world. They're not LVMH, which is owned by the richest man in the world, but they're pretty good. They're pretty big. And in addition to Gucci and other things that he already owns, he's been buying a bunch of stuff. He bought a, a stake in the, the brand Valentino. He bought this fragrance company, Creed. And I think CAA is both a luxury good because of all the high-end talent it's associated with. Yeah, what's more of a luxury than Zendaya or Margot Robbie? And the CAA folks want to talk this down because obviously there are limited synergies, but it's a vehicle for promoting his other stuff, right? All of a sudden, you know, you want to make sure Zendaya or someone else wears your stuff or that you can insert your products into movies featuring these folks. Yeah, they got to be careful about that, though, because uh, my partner at, at Puck, Lauren Sherman, has written about this. She's a fashion person. And LVMH, which is the rival to Caring, is much larger and much more powerful. And if CAA clients start favoring caring, I don't think the LVMH people are going to love that. And that's a gigantic buyer of endorsement services from the CAA people. So I don't know if that's the right strategy to start favoring, but perhaps Pinot thinks that that's what's going to happen. Look, like I said, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden be a huge part of this deal. I think he's mostly buying it because it's in keeping with what he's got because of the merging worlds of celebrity and fashion because he may think it's a good investment. Um, but, you know, if they can if they can sprinkle in a little more Gucci in a movie uh, without the Jared Leto accent, that's uh, <laughs> to their benefit. How dare you? The, the price, $7 billion. I talked to some people this past week who were kind of surprised they got that number, especially where the industry is right now. If you look at the, you know, the fires going on everywhere around Hollywood with the strike and with the pullback in content and with sports rights being threatened by these carriage disputes and, you know, the the kind of tenuous place that the music business is in, um, excluding touring, which sometimes the agents are a part of, sometimes they're not. Taylor Swift doesn't have a booking agency. But my point is, Pinot may have bought at the top of the market. And there are some who think that the value of these agencies will probably go down in the next five years. They don't have TV packages. The you know $150 million streaming movie buyout is probably going to come down in price. Uh, do you agree with that? Or do you think that these agencies have shown themselves over and over to be able to insert themselves into the equation of whatever transaction in Hollywood happens so that they're essentially investment banks for entertainment through which everyone has to go to make content. Well, to take a step back to, to your first point, I am pretty shocked by the price because when CAA bought ICM, which was a smaller rival last year, I believe that it valued the whole package at $5.5 billion. So why it has gone up in value $1.5 billion in a year that, to your point, has been 
fairly catastrophic for the industry is interesting to me. And in general, the rising valuations of these talent agencies has been a little confusing. I mean, at the end of the day, most of their assets go home at night. They don't, you know, say they don't it's own not anything. It's a yeah. services business. The path to the IPO for Endeavor was to buy tangible assets like UFC and bull riding and all these things that if, if you look at the stock price of Endeavor, most of the valuation is coming from these tangible assets. The market actually values the WME agency very low, or at least a lot lower than what Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro at Endeavor believe it should be valued at. They're loving this $7 billion price tag for CAA because they think that that will ultimately help WME when it's now going to be on its own in Endeavor once UFC and WWE are combined in this new company. So I don't know if that's going to be the case, but $7 billion seems to be a, a high watermark for these agencies. question is, is it going to go down? I think in the short term, it's probably not the best time. You know, all these companies are being cost conscious and the huge increase in spending on programming over the last many years has been very beneficial to these agencies because they're brokering those deals. They're the ones who are getting actors two plus million dollars an episode to make television, which hasn't been seen before. There's been a huge escalation in sports talent, which is a really big part of the CAA deal. And that's the reason why I would say long term, I'm not too worried that this guy bought at the peak. I mean, the Otani deal alone, CAA represents Shohei Otani. So that's a major package that's coming to them soon. Yeah, I mean, sports isn't going anywhere. The next NBA deal is going to boost salaries even more. Yes, there's issues around the bundle. And yes, that could impact what's happening with players. But that's a long-term concern. At least in the next three to five years, you're going to see sports salaries continue to skyrocket. And at the same time, it's not like there's going to be some dramatic decline in what talent is getting paid to make film and TV. There may be fewer jobs, but the stars at the very top are going to continue to demand more and more. And these agencies have been very good at figuring that out. Now, the challenge for them, I could see, is that they've been sort of expanding and expanding into other areas of representation, but CAA has thus far avoided doing what Endeavor did, where it started actually owning things and buying them. And it doesn't seem like CA wants to go into that, but there's only so many different areas where you can be a representative. There's only so much growth in that. Yeah, and they resisted the leadership there. Brian Lord, Kevin Hubain, Richard Lovett. I mean, those guys are agents. They are still agents. Ari Emanuel is kind of an empire builder type, and he's kind of not as much in the agency world as he once was. He still has some clients, but they made a choice, and they will tell anyone who will listen that CAA is a talent agency. They are not interested in owning bull riding. And you're right. It's about how much you can grow with that model. And, you know, they've done a pretty good job. But if the entire business is challenged over the next five years, yeah, the stars are still going to make their money. But a lot of these agencies are built or were built on random TV writer who becomes the creator of Two and a Half Men or some you know big show. They were still getting checks from I Love Lucy and the Aaron Spelling shows at CAA. Like, that's how these legacy agencies have their foundations, is that they were still getting paid on old shows and profit participation. That's not really the case anymore. They may get more upfront, and for reasons we've talked about, but they're not going to get these long tails of revenue. And, you know, it's just going to be more difficult. That's what the strike is for, Matt. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The strike, I think, is really hurting these companies. I mean, you probably talk to agents like I do where they're just like sitting on their hands right now. 
They can't do anything. People that you and I normally try to get information out of, they're just not doing things. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. But yes, the agents are, I think, probably, and it's not really the CAAs of the world that I'm worried about. It's a lot of the smaller agencies that do rely on the rank and file guy on a show, woman on a show. Those people are just like hurting right now. These companies that don't have the other businesses like sports and music to diversify. The strike is, I mean, I could see if this goes into next year, I could see some of these companies just getting wiped out. I mean, look, they've already had to fire and furlough a bunch of people, cut costs. Even the bigger agencies, though they're diversified enough to, to weather it, are losing millions of dollars a, a month at this point. And we'll probably have to fire people in the next month or two if, if these strikes aren't resolved. But that's very much a painful but a, a shorter term one. You're, if you make this deal as Pinot, you're betting on the long-term health of CAA, which feels like a pretty safe bet. I mean, it's an institution now that has lasted close to 50 years. Yeah. The leadership is in their 60s, though. And, the, and the, the question, though, is all these agencies have ups and downs, right? There was a point in time at which William Morris was the agency in Hollywood, and then it wasn't. CAA has had a pretty impressive run as the most powerful or the second most powerful. And it, I don't know, do you think that it's at risk of, of falling from that perch? No, but the leadership now is in their 60s. And because these guys who took over the agency in the 90s are still there and still running things, they've sort of blocked that next generation from taking over the way that they did. And they've had defections. They had a group that left to form a management company, Range. There was that moment a few years ago where a ton of people from CAA went over to UTA and that led to a lawsuit. And Yeah, I mean, that's the risk there. When you're in a people business and you're in a client-based business, they are one step away from a mass defection that sets them back. And, you know, money solves a lot of those problems, keeping people happy. But, uh, you know, the, the details of this deal are interesting because it's not the windfall that I think a lot of people might expect for the rank and file CAA employees. This is not a sale of the agency. This is a sale of TPG's interest. So, yes, the leadership of CAA those guys are going to take many, many millions off the table. I'm, I have not confirmed a number, but I've heard that it's very high. I mean, when Endeavor was going through its process, Ari Emanuel and Patrick Whitesell each took $165 million for themselves. Ari's pay package when Endeavor went public that year was about $300 million, at least on paper. And the CAA guys are the three top guys are probably going to take significant money out of this. But it's not like the CAA rank and file agents are getting rich off this. I think they'll be able to sell a small portion of their equity. And depending on how much they have, that can be quite meaningful for some people. You know, not $160 million, but still meaningful. Fun fact about CAA equity, you forfeit it if you defect to another agency. That is in their contracts, which is hilarious because... In the entertainment world, everybody jumps around. But these agents, if you ever go to another agency, you are dead to them. Yeah. Although most of the senior most people at CAA have been there for a pretty long time, even because you mentioned the big three in, in Kevin Devane, Brian Lord, Richard Lovett. There's a, a class of folks just beneath them who are sort of ready to take over if and when the top three guys leave. And most of them have been there for, for years. Yeah. And it's just about taking care of them to make them feel happy and not have them be lured by the promise of running something else. 
This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including Outstanding Limited Series and Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Limited Series for Keo and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's talk about the bigger picture here and what this sale and kind of the landscape says about the agency representation world. Because we are on the verge, it could be announced this week, could be next week, of Endeavor buying WWE, merging it or putting it into a new company with UFC that will be just a combat sports company. Endeavor will own 51% of that company, but it's going to leave WME, the agency, and a bunch of other Endeavor businesses in the original company on its own. And we're going to see how the market values that. I'll be very curious what they choose to do with WME and sort of the rest of their assets long term. How does Wall Street value them? Do they keep it public? Because it's clear that what everybody wants is the combat sports. And we're including WWE in this, even though it's technically not a sport, but it... Sports entertainment, how dare you? It gets treated a lot like a sport in terms of how people pay rights for it. And so from a financial And it's just as valuable, honestly. I mean, I've been talking to people about the value of WWE. And one thing I had not considered is that it's always on. All of these other real leagues, they have a season. And when you're heading into a streaming landscape where all of these streaming services are going to have sports and you can churn out, you can quit your service when your league is done for the season. WWE never ends. It's going and going all the time. So there's going to be a, a big value in that. Um, I also should say that in the Endeavor company will see the value of this combat sports spinoff because it owns 51%. So I don't want to suggest that it's going to be left with these other assets and it's going to like die on the vine. They still will see the economics of it, but it will be separated out. Well, they're doing it because they believe that those assets, namely UFC and, and WWE, are c- combined more valuable than Endeavor is trading at as a whole company right now. And so they're splitting it up because they believe that the valuation for that separate company will be $15 billion or whatever the heck they think it should be. And that one, that'll unlock more value for shareholders and it will make the rest of that company or the Endeavor part of it worth more because it is the controlling shareholder and this other thing that's valuable. So this is all some financial engineering to to make the rich people a little bit more rich. But does it suggest, which is the goal of this show, that, that's, that's really our mantra is to help rich people get richer. Um, does that suggest that the agency might be a candidate to be sold in the no. near future? You I don't, don't think, think so? so? No. I don't either. I've heard that, and I don't think so. I think the talent component of this is like the 
special sauce that runs throughout the company. I also just think Ari's an empire builder. And even if he's not interested or he's not as active a day-to-day agent as he once was, he's not interested in selling. A, you forget he and Patrick Weitzel bought like 35 things over the last decade. I don't think he wants to suddenly sell 33 of them. No, but I, I think that the WME asset would be of interest to a lot of other companies if you spun it out. And maybe it could get him the money to buy a studio. Maybe he wants to buy Paramount. Maybe he wants to, you know, th- there are bigger things that Ari could buy that might either require or be benefited by getting rid of the agency. And if he wants to ultimately be the king of the world, maybe owning a studio is the goal, which would be hilarious because that's what happened on Entourage. Or at least he yeah. ran, Ari ran a studio. <laughs> I mean, on a related note, because there was time for a while that people thought that CAA was going to go public, right? They brought in an executive who'd been high-ranking at Time Warner. Yeah, was that Jim Benson, his name? Jim Burtson. Burtson. He was a senior executive at Time Warner, and he was the CFO at CAA. And he and other executives from CAA started participating in investor conferences, which you sort of do when you're signaling that you might go public or there'll be some kind of equity event because you want investors to take you seriously. And if this deal suggests that they are not, but the other company, the only other agency of any of comparable size, it's smaller, but in the group is UTA, United Talent Agency. Do you think that they will try to go public? Oh, I don't know. I mean, do they have the goods? I mean, they are a pure talent agency as well. They have grown a lot and they've got this new private equity investor. But I don't think these agencies want to know what the market would value their agency at. They would rather have it be private and get people like, Francois Pinot to come in and drop $7 billion on the asset without having to see what the market is going to value a talent agency at. Yeah, actually, we now have so because you have a a Swedish private equity fund and EQT has a stake in UTA. We've got a French billionaire who controls CAA. So all we need is to find another European billionaire who wants to, to take on Endeavor. And then we've got the trifecta. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's maybe a long a Brit, list of those. Maybe an Italian. It's funny, though. I actually heard that LVMH is kind of sniffing around the talent world now that its big rival has bought CAA. I don't know what they're going to end up doing, if anything. Uh, but that would be funny if they ended up being, you know, a division of another luxury goods company. <laughs> they can LVMH can take range and then the CAA people can... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're not cry. even talking about the management world, the talent managers, which is going through its own process right now. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation in that world. Um, this has been an area of growth over the past 20 years. These separate management firms, they don't book the roles, but they guide the client's life and help them make smart decisions and manage their lives. And there's a lot of those companies out there now. And, you know, if there's a retrenchment in the business, I could see mergers, I could see some going away, you know, it it might be a tough time in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, so many of these management companies have explored a sale over the last couple of years. And you you get the idea, right? Because one of the one of the pitches that Endeavor tried to make when it first was going public, or I guess it continued to make when it went public, and that and that management companies can make to firms is like, okay, you look at an, a talent now 
And it's no longer just an actor or a singer or a director. Like they're a company, they're an enterprise with multiple revenue streams. They're doing advertising, they've got social, maybe they've invested in a tequila company, you know, whatever it is. If you remember back from an early WME and Endeavor prospectus, they'd like use The Rock as a case study and talk about all the different ways that Endeavor was making money from him. And that sounds really great on paper, but some of these companies, agencies and management companies have struggled at times to figure out exactly how to capture sort of maximum value from what that talent does. Because if you want to build a business with your talent, you have to convince them that you have expertise or financing that they're not going to get somewhere else. Yeah. And oftentimes they will have other representatives like lawyers, whatever that are saying, okay, so your agency wants in on this. What are they actually doing for you? And it's tough. You know, for every The Rock, there are a bunch of others that want to be him. And you're not going to potentially get that same deal or attention from your agency if you're not on that level. When are we going to get WME to package you like that? (laughs) I don't know. I'm holding out. I'm available for representation in all arenas. So then that gets us to the question of like why an average person should care about this. And honestly, like there's there's not a lot for an average person to care about. But I do think that when these agencies get so big and are focused so much on their private equity owners or the top 1% of their clients, there is a class of creative person that may not be getting the best representation or the best opportunity to join the successful actors, filmmakers, musicians, whatever. You know, when that ICM CAA merger happened, they dropped a bunch of clients. The people that weren't performing well or the ones that CAA didn't really care about because they were not huge stars. They were working people, but they didn't get the, you know, the CAA treatment or weren't good enough. And that does have a trickle down on the kinds of people who work, the kinds of people you see in shows. And if there is a have and have not mentality in entertainment and all of the shows and movies are going to be packaged up with the CAA WME clients, maybe we do lose some big talents that would have been big if they had that opportunity. Well, in theory, that's supposed to be the opening for smaller and mid-sized agencies, right? Is they can go to someone who's been neglected because they are 10th. You know, if you have a, a, there's a big time agent at at CAA or, or WME, you know, there may be an actor who's pretty well known and famous, but is like the ninth or 10th most important client. And maybe even who are going up for some of the same roles as, as that agent's other client and not getting them. And that's supposed to be an opportunity for these people to swoop in and say, you'll be my number one priority. Right. The challenge is, is that these smaller and mid-sized agencies have so much less pull and power that it might not work. You have to have a, a client who's, who wants to maybe take a risk on a, on a smaller project and isn't enamored of the glitz and the system. Yeah, and even these smaller agencies used to have a couple big names so they would see the material that was going around, the hot material. And now a lot of them don't even have those one or two big names because they've all been gobbled up by the big agencies that they're not even seeing the material to get access to the kinds of work that will elevate those clients. So that's that's a generalization. I think there's exceptions there. But you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's an element of the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Yeah. The creators of Stranger Things, I think, started at Paradigm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Then they CAA... Did. CAA goes, takes their agent, brings them over. All of a sudden, Stranger Things, not a paradigm anymore. Although they will probably commission that show forever. (laughs) 
I don't know what happens because that agency sort of melted, but yeah. Paradigm? Well, they lost their music group to Wasserman. And, uh, you know, they're still there. They're kicking along. But yeah, it's that music group was really powering them. And then they sold it. All right. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks, Matt. All right. We're back with the call sheet. Craig, you excited for the Disney carriage resolution? The end of the standoff and the no ESPN in L.A., New York? I don't know. I was pretty excited to teach my father-in-law how to illegally stream something on Reddit. But that's unfortunate. Someday you'll have that. You, you might have to teach him with some illegal, something else illegal. But I asked Lucas to stay here. Lucas, what do you make of this deal that was announced today? Disney and Charter came to a resolution, as many said they would, including on this show, uh, on the eve of the first Monday Night Football game. People got to watch Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. So uh, what are the terms and who is the winner of this carriage fight? You know, when I first saw the terms, it looked like Charter had gotten more of what it wanted, right? So you're going to be able to have Disney Plus, the ad-supported version, within the most popular Charter package. ESPN Plus will be available in a more select tier for, that is just for sports fans at no additional cost. And the future ESPN streaming service will be available also to, to Charter customers. And that had been sort of what Charter was asking for. Now, the, the Disney perspective on this is they got a major rate increase, although we don't know the exact particulars. They want wide distribution for Disney+. Plus, and it, th their language suggests to me that Charter is paying them to include Disney+, Plus as part of that rate increase. It just won't be offered as like an add-on additional cost. And I think there's also some language ensuring that there is still pretty good penetration, meaning that ESPN and other networks will be in a lot of, will be in the vast majority of homes. But one other interesting wrinkle in this is that a lot of Disney cable networks will no longer be carried by Charter. Well, that's what I wanted to pick up on because I, that's my prediction today is that this is the beginning of the purge of networks. So what other networks are you talking about? Freeform. Disney Junior, FXX, stuff that you never watched, like Nat Geo Mundial Nat or whatever. Nat Geo Wild, FXM. Right. All these bullshit cable networks that were added on just to create carriage and create carriage fees for them, they are now going to be dropped from Charter. And I think that's the beginning of the big purge, which is all of these distributors saying to these cable network owners, we're not taking your garbage networks anymore. We're not, you can't just add these on so we have to pay for them. We want the networks we want, the ones that our customers actually watch, and we're not taking the rest. I think you're right. This is leading to the dropping of a lot of major networks. And keep in mind, Disney still puts original programming on Freeform and FFX. Some of those networks, like, you are very forgettable. But a couple of these, you know, you go back five years and they were spending real money on now, Disney says its core channels, quote unquote, are FX and ESPN and Nat Geo. But there is this culling happening. Baby TV, which is a network. When I saw that, I thought they were talking about Fox News. But Baby TV is a network that will no longer be carried by Charter. I just learned that existed this second. So I thank you for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's also Coco Melon is also Baby TV. All right, Lucas, thanks for coming on. Thanks. All right, that's the show. I want to thank our guest, Lucas Shaw. I want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck, our editor, Jesse Lopez, and I want to thank you. We will see you later this week. Bye.